We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a transformative principle by listening to amazing leaders tell their stories. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. And please like the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Transformative Principle. Transformative Principle, Episode 80 with Brian Edmister. As I mentioned last week, I had the opportunity to attend the Model Schools Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and was thoroughly inspired. I told you last week I was going to save a story for this week, so let me give it to you right now. I was able to go out to dinner with the team from the 1199, which is South Heights Elementary School in Henderson, Kentucky. And I got to tell you, that was inspiring. I was listening to these teachers tell stories about the impact they were having on kids' lives. And it, it reminded me of why I am in education and reminded me that there are amazing educators out there that are doing powerful, powerful things. Um, they brought a team of 10 to present and it was, uh, just incredible being able to be with them and chat with them. The, uh, principal is Rob Carroll on Twitter. He is 1199 Rob. So make sure you go follow him and, and learn some information from him. I hope to have him on the podcast sometime soon. And what I learned from being there at dinner with them was it is just, powerful when these teachers and principals and social workers and counselors and aides get together and work for what is best for kids. It is inspiring and amazing. And, um, I can't wait to interview, um, Rob. Now let's talk about the interview that's happening that in this episode with Brian Edmister, he was not presenting at the conference and he joined the uh the ed camp style 
part of the conference where we designed our own session. We started talking about standards-based grading. And the things that he was saying about how he did what he did at his school were just so inspiring. I knew that I had to chat with him. And he is such a nice guy and such a um, caring person who wants what is best for kids. You can tell by talking to him. And you'll be able to hear in this interview what an amazing thing he's got going. So, again, I encourage you to go back and look at the hashtag model schools and follow some of those great people. And thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am honored to be with Brian Edmister. Did I say that right? You did. All right. And uh, what do the kids call you? The kids call me Mr. Ed. Okay. And I've been Mr. Ed since second grade when my buddy started calling me that. and It just stuck. Okay. That's cool. And so you're, um, tell us about who you are, your background, and what you're doing right now. Well, I'm an elementary principal currently with Genesee Valley Central School, which is a small rural school district in western New York State. Um, we have as many cows as students and uh-huh. kids and adults and everyone else um, in the area, and it's a very, very poor area, one of the poorest counties in New York State. Um, average income is under 20000 a year. Um, my background, I started as a teacher at Franklinville Central School, which is only about 30 miles away. I was born and raised in Franklinville, grew up, went to first to Roberts Wesleyan College, then University of Texas for a while, then uh, Brockport for a while, UB for a while, (laughs) JCC for a while, Tarrant County Junior College for a while, a little bit of everything. Um, Admin degree is through Brockport. Um, Oh, Empire State College. I got my master's through Empire State College. Wow. Interesting journey for my own training. Uh Um, My master's degree is actually in rainforest management, so a little different. And... um, so, so why did you move, go to so many different places? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I started out at Roberts Wesleyan College in Rochester, and I couldn't afford it. And I was a pretty good swimmer, so I went down to U- University of Texas and tried to walk in on their swim team and wasn't quite fast enough. But I was, <laughs> I was just what they needed for their water polo team. So uh-huh. they, they dropped me onto their water polo squad as somebody to go get the ball when it was loose. and. Um, I had a scholarship, and I was able to afford a couple of years of college that way. So that was how the Texas piece came in. And the Tarrant County Junior College was summer stuff down there. I did summer classes there because the Texas school systems are all connected. All, uh-huh. all the classes transfer back and forth between them. And then I ended up going back to Roberts to finish my undergrad degree. And I amassed some money while I was in Texas working and not having to pay for college. So... Um, then from there, I went to work at Franklinville, and I was actually my swim coaching got me the job probably because they needed a coach, and that was my background. Mm-hmm. So I jumped in as a swim coach and a fifth grade teacher, and I taught numerous grades throughout that time. I taught kindergarten, second, fifth, fourth for just a short period of time mm-hmm. while they were looking for somebody. Um, for 10, 12 years, almost 12 years, I did that. At Franklinville, and then I worked for BOCES for a couple of years, and I was a staff developer for BOCES, and doing digital integration is, was my job cool. at BOCES, 
and I missed the kids too much to stay in the, a staff developer position where I never saw kids. Mm -hmm. And so I applied for the principal position at Genesee Valley. Cool. And I've been there 10 years, awesome. coming up on 10 years. Um, so you, uh, we were in a session together yesterday, the design your own session that they're doing as part of this model schools conference that we're both at right now. And you, we were talking about uh, time at first, and then we started talking about uh, standards-based grading. Mm -hmm. And um, you have, uh, you talked a little bit about how you started doing standards-based grading. Mm -hmm. And um, what you said yesterday was you just started doing it and people just got on board. There wasn't any argument. Can you talk a little bit yep. about how that happened? Sure. Um, before anything new starts in a school, and I, this, they actually said this in one of the workshops I was at. I can't remember off the top of my head which one mm -hmm. it was. But um, one of the comments that they said was you have to create your culture before you're going to change anything. And so... I, I worked very, very hard to change a culture of mistrust to a culture of trust. Mm -hmm. And that meant meeting teachers where they were at, meeting community where they were at, meeting kids where they were at. Um, not just me, but my teachers. And I, I had a small group that started, and by the end it was everyone had a role in it. Everyone wanted to be a part of it. And they're actually running with that without any involvement from me now at all. Uh -huh. um, they have all kinds of community action things that they do and they bring the community into the school constantly um so that piece was in place long before the the major change of standard-based report cards happened um we started the standard-based report cards because of a I, I would say a passion that i have about not labeling kids and grades label kids when yeah. you put a, it doesn't matter if it's a good grade or a bad grade you've created a label that that changes that student's perception of themselves and so the standard based report cards the idea was instead of labeling somebody poor in math we said they they have an issue with computation mm -hmm. and that's something that we can address directly but they might be fantastic at fractions or they might be fantastic right. at something else and so we can give credit to them and they don't label themselves as bad at math they say i have a computation issue and right. it changes the whole feeling of what they what they might need to work on and we also have and if i may yep, interject sure, real quick it, it also makes it so that they don't say i'm just bad at math Correct. they say i'm not very good at this specific skill in math right. computation or ra ratios yep. or whatever it is and then it at least gives them a way to define how they can improve yep and they can take control of that a lot easier with yep. that aspect and that's that's where we're headed we, we've done this this is this will be your well, two and a half kind of going into this next year. And most of our summer development or much of our summer development is going to be spent on figuring out how to create contracts with kids for their output to decide they're going to look at it and say the second grader has an issue with reading from informational text. Right. Um, they then need to come up with a plan with the teacher of how are you going to address this need. You're, you're really good at fiction, reading fiction. But when it goes to informational text, you zone right out. Right. What are we going to do to address that? And the kids become part of their solution, part of their own solutions. And that's been a powerful piece to it. And we're going to spend the summer getting better at that. Yeah. So that idea of contracts where the kids say, this is what I'm going to do to improve in this area, um, that's really powerful. How did you come up with that idea and where did that come from? And talk about how you 
got that information. Well, I used to be a school Zatoon trainer um, with BOCES, and we traveled all over all over Kingdom Come teaching schools Zatoon. And the ideas and the, the teaching that came from schools Zatoon was fantastic. The the process of going through the tuning was, was pretty rough on teachers, and, and it just kind of didn't resonate with my staff. Mm-hmm. So even though they were all trained in that originally, we've got a lot of new people now. They're not all trained in it now, but... Right. Um, some of those tenants were there, and the idea with Schools Attuned is you do focus in on the exact issue as opposed to a, a whole, all of math. There's mm-hmm. a specific thing right. that they need to address. And so, so that is, was the idea. What is Schools Attuned? Tell schools me. Attuned is Mel Levine's um, training that, okay. that he came out with. Um, it's the idea of you look at a, at a child from every angle, and you decide... What is the breakdown that's causing this child to have troubles learning? Um, okay. And we've kind of done the same thing with each of the skills that our Common Core Standards in New York State have said, mm-hmm. this is what you have to address. And so yeah. we've created the, the list of skills directly onto the Common Core. They, okay. they line right up with, with the desired outcomes that we have to, that we have to be judged by as well. Um, the ones that were duplicated or that were said in multiple ways we may have lumped together into categories because we don't want a report card that's 25 pages long so we've got a two-page report card and it also includes Mm -hmm. a whole section on social development because we found that if we don't include the social development as a part that changes how the kids work you're you're missing a big piece of of the picture so And, and especially in elementary school because that is so vital to to what they're learning. Um, so you you went through that process. You um, when you introduced it to your staff, what? Uh, how did you how did you know it was going to be successful? Introducing it to them and and talk about the culture that you built to make that happen. Um, last year, our our theme for the school was let's fail at something. And okay. it really, we really pushed that, and we we pushed teachers to find something outside of their comfort zone that they would try, and that if it failed, mm-hmm. I own it. You don't. I do. I pushed you to do it. Right. It's my problem, not yours. And because they knew that I had their backs on that, and the administ- not just me, but the rest of the administration, um, including our superintendent and the board, was behind that idea. Um, we focused all of our teacher. Um, effectiveness we have to turn in 40 points Mm -hmm. comes from the state we can't affect that 40 points we focused everything on the 60 points and we there's a little word in the APPR laws um, that says that after three years of ineffective you may move to but it doesn't say you have to move to dismiss and so we we hung hung our Mm -hmm. hats on that word may and we said we are going to be evaluating you on the 60 points and we were very clear with our objectives. This is what we want. This is what we're looking for. And if you fail at something, we own that because we've asked you to do that. And because we kept going back to those 60 points, there was no mm-hmm. nervous teachers. They were comfortable trying something new. And so I pushed the standard-based report card. So kindergarten through fourth grade, we created the, the technology um advisor i guess i would call mm-hmm. him he's, he's a teacher he, um yes he's a he's a tech guy but he's not just a tech guy he's also a teacher in the teacher's unit and everything 
he and I sat down together and we begged, borrowed, and stole the best from all of the standard-based report cards in the country that we could find. Uh -huh. And we created a two-page document for each grade level that included ELA, math, science, social studies, um, the, the big five, mm -hmm. and a whole page on social development and, and a whole section on um, digital citizenship and a whole section on attendance and all of the maintenance type things that students had right. to do um, being prepared for class and those kind of things. So that, there's one page of all academic, there's one page of all, uh, I would call it social development. Cool. And so um, when you, why is it so important for you to have a teacher as the tech guy who's designing all this? Why, why does that matter? Well, we just find it to be really important that the, that our technology is not just stuff sitting in a room. It's actually teaching tools. Um, it's, it's not a means to an end. It's not anything else. It's just another tool, right. just like the pencil has been for years. Right. Um, we have high-tech pencils now. Yep. And the kids, our kids are one-to-one -one computing. Um, they can bring your own device. We have full wireless access that the kids can get in. Mm -hmm. And there's different, different levels of access that the kids can get depending on what they've earned on their di digital citizenship. So the, the lowest level is mostly the elementary students who have not gone through all of it yet. Uh -huh. And as they go up through, more things become open to them and more things they're able to access more. Yeah, and I and I love that idea of allowing kids to demonstrate proficiency at digital citizenship to gain access to different things. What are some of the different levels that you, what do you allow as they get older? Sure. Um, our younger kids have access to apps, and their, their iPads are filled with apps. They can't add apps. They can't delete apps. Mm -hmm. um, they're locked out of that. And so, really, they have access to what we give them. Right. Um, that's the lowest level is that it's completely our decision for what they get to use. Um, now, there's lots of apps, and there is a, a process if a student comes up with an app that he, can he or she can demonstrate that it's going to help them achieve one of their goals. There's a, there's a conference that that student, and we've had kids as young as kindergarten, want, request a conference, <laughs> and they want to come and talk about their apps and talk about can we add this, and this is why I want to add this, uh -huh. and we've added them. Uh, awesome. I got to be honest. We've we've I don't recall one that has come to us that we haven't added. Um, there's been a couple that we added that we took away mm -hmm. because they were just playing games with them. Right. But um, things like tanks, they they build tanks, they battle with other kids on tanks. You would think, oh, it's in school you can't use tanks. Okay, it's a digital program. It's not a tank. Right. And they're creating something to interact with another student, so the collaboration is there. Mm -hmm. All the 21st century skills go into play in that. And the student was able to articulate that mm -hmm. and say, this is why I want to use it. i got to be honest, it's one of our more effective ones. Interesting. Um, there's another one, Clash of Clans. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Clash of Clans player myself. Okay. And um, the kids constantly are joining me for, for battles and wars and things like that because I have a really powerful clan now. Uh -huh. um, I've been, a, I don't know, I've been using it for two or three years. And um, the kids interact with clash of clans what better way to talk about community and building and why did why did communities rise and fall and yeah. things like that so it's it's been some really good conversations through games well that's pretty cool so as kids get older what what other things can they start as kids get older they they get access to youtube they get access to the to the web um, google becomes their friend 
Um, some of the teachers are using Google Docs so that they can, they can have interactive assignments. Um, some of the teachers use, um, oh, let's see, what's it called? Hmm. I can picture all the little, all the little emoticons that they have on it. Class Dojo. Class Dojo. There you go. Thank you. Um, and they do. They use Class Dojo, and the kids interact that way. And I get updates on my daughter. And um, so there's there's a lot of different things that as they go up through, they get access to more social activities. The the middle school, we all know, middle schoolers need to be social. Um, we found that the ones that need to be the most social sometimes are the ones that we end up blocking out of the apps where they can be social. And so we said, you know what? When they're being social online, as long as it's being appropriate, and that's a big thing, and we still, we're still running through school filters, um, and so words and things like that get tagged, but we don't want to take away the social aspect for the kids that need social the most. And so we've really encouraged it, and teachers become facilitators of it as opposed to people that are shutting it down. And, and what I love about that approach is that we really need to take advantage of technology to teach our kids how to use it well because um, really we can't expect anybody else to. Um, you know, where, where I'm at, a lot of our kids have smartphones that are better than mine, and they... As do we. Yep, and they, they can use them, and the thing is is that they, their parents buy them for them, and sometimes their parents don't know. Sometimes their parents are very aware. We just don't know, so it becomes incumbent on us to teach them appropriately. And if you can have teachers interacting with them in appropriate ways and showing them what it looks like, that becomes really powerful and really opens the door for real digital citizenship teaching and learning in the school. Yeah. Our high school principal said it well in one of our meetings. He said, you can't teach a child responsibility without giving them some. Right. And so we've really made that our kind of our motto as far as it, at each level. They have to be given responsibility. And that doesn't matter whether we're talking math or, or digital citizenship. It's, it's all the same. We have to give them responsibility into their own learning. It makes it theirs, not ours. Um, one of the things I learned at this conference that we're going to be adding right in is I really like the badge idea. Um, we've used badges before, and we've used them fairly well. Um, what, I, what I won't say is the, that the badges, and those badges are when you earn a skill, you get a badge. We want to add the, the whole idea of getting those badges, and the more badges you get, the more time you get in the makerspaces. And we don't have makerspaces right now. That's something that we're going to be adding. Um, while we've been here, I've contacted, this sounds kind of funny, we are very rural, but I've contacted um, a farmer. I've contacted a one of our um, guys that does junk metal. He, and I've also contacted our local hardware store. And they are all on board for helping us create our first makerspace. Yeah, so the thing that I love about makerspaces is that it doesn't have to be just 3D printers, right? It, it should be reflective of the community that you're in. Yep. We live on an island in Alaska, and so we need to have fishing-related things in our makerspace. Um, a lot of kids have bikes, so we have a bike stand to repair things. We found an old uh, ceramics love wheel, and we're throwing um, pottery on the ceramics wheel, and that's pretty awesome. Those those kinds of things it needs to be reflective of what you're doing and if you're a rural community with farmers you need to be talking about those things so that the kids are learning things that are applicable to them there but then 
you also add in those other things that they would not have access to right. as well. I got permission for three 3D printers already. So. Perfect. That's we'll be moving in that direction too. So, um, I will say we have a farm in our district, which is phenomenal. Um, it's one of my te- my fifth grade teachers. Uh, her husband started this farm, and it's a, one of the robotic farms. And it's it's been actually na- nationally recognized. Hillary Clinton was there a few years ago touring it and um, seeing what they're doing. Literally, the cows are tagged with a laser tag, and the, they walk into their the station, and if it's time for them to get milk, they get milked and fed, and if it's not, they get sent on their way. Um, the floors are cleaned by robots. The I mean, the milk is separated. As the milk comes out, it's separated into the quality of milks that it is. Um, it's also tested for all kinds of diseases or anything else that a cow could have. If they find anything on it, the cows are automatically given antibiotics um, in their food. And, I mean, it's, it's an amazing setup. So our kids have access to not just rural farming. Our kids have access to state-of-the-art robots. And so we've spent a lot of time trying to connect our kids with, with those types of resources, too. Yeah, that's so. pretty amazing. Yeah, it is an amazing farm. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. So let's go back to standards-based grading and talk a little bit about the grading program that you're using. Yep. We actually run our, our grades right through PowerSchool, which is a fairly well-known um, student management system. And what we've, what we've been able to do is work with them to create a system where it, it, rather than entering grades, the teachers are entering one, one two, three, or four. There's no zeros. Um, ones are, we, we tied it right with the teacher evaluation system. I mean, ones are ineffective, twos are developing, threes are effective, fours are highly effective. Um, our goal is to get all of our students to at least to three. They earn a badge when they get to three. They earn a double badge when they get to four. So um, that's the goal. And, th- and that's what we're developing this summer. So that's in its infancy. Um, but as we get better at doing that part of it, teachers are going to spend a lot less time grading papers. And they've already expressed how much that's amazing because rather than grading papers, they have the students sitting next to them demonstrating that they know how to do it or that they don't know how to do it. And the conversation with the teacher is one of the most powerful things you can do. And so that conversation has been worth its weight in gold. And and so the teachers are basically now just collecting evidence that shows proficiency more probably than inefficiency, right? Yep. Teachers collect collect the evidence. The students are part of that collection. Mm-hmm. The students actually um, have some input into what is collected. Uh-huh. I did this, and I didn't spend a lot of time on it last night. Can we not use this one? Right. I've heard I've heard that comment. Right. Um, so it's not really a portfolio. I wouldn't really call it that because it's it's more interactive than that. We ha- we're hopefully this next year going to make it digital mm-hmm. um, where they're going to store it digitally. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. So. And, and so um, one, excuse me, one other thing, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned yesterday was that the students um, uh, a proficiency on the standards follows them to the next grade. Tell me what that looks like. Well, if a, if a, let's say a third grader is, uh, I'll use computation again. If they if they're still struggling with computation, the last thing we want is them to go to the next grade level and have the teacher have to start all over again learning. This kid doesn't know computation. 
So we've made it so that the program actually carries that right into the report card. The report cards don't all look the same. They actually become, as they start out the same, kindergarten, they're all the same. By first grade, there's some small differences. We haven't had maybe one or two differences in first grade, but by second or third grade, the differences start to show up. And then by fourth grade, there was two or three kids that had a number of things that started showing up on it. And the other thing that that's tied to then is we can tie that to our RTI process and or 504 um, or special ed if necessary because we have the evidence over time showing a lack of growth in a certain area. Then when we go to the CSE meetings, we can say, not this kid's bad in math, this student needs extra work in computation and it's beyond what we can do through our RTI process. And that's a whole different conversation because our, our special ed numbers, when I first started in the elementary school, we were running at almost 18%. Um, at, in fact, we might have been a little higher than that, and we've come down 5% since we started doing this um, because they're, they're, not being, they're not having to get to there. By the right, because you're figuring out ways to support them, and those that actually get special ed are the ones that really, truly need yep. it. And, not and only in the areas they need it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So are you using um, Gradebook, the app that PowerSchool has, or are you using something else? It's, it, it is. It's through there, but it's kind of our own creation through there. We, we've been pushing PowerSchool a little bit to, to try some different things and do some different things, so we're kind of a guinea pig for them. And there's been times when it didn't work. Um, at one point, I, I had a teacher who's uh, basically their entire report card disappeared and it was pretty frustrating, but thank goodness she'd followed the plan, and every two weeks we print, we print a copy. Um, and then if there's anything that's not at proficiency, we send it home so the parents have knowledge that we're, we're there. So we really only have three major reporting periods, and even those reporting periods are not, it's not a hard and fast grade. You don't end there um, because you have the rest of the year to fix whatever's on there. Um, do-overs are, are a given. Uh, you can, a student can do it over until they have the concept. Um, there is no, you know, you failed yeah, this. Or, or change the assignment so that they can demonstrate in a way that is appropriate for them, right? Yep. Yep. We also use iReady. I don't know if you're familiar with iReady, but um, we have the lessons available for, through iReady as well so that the kids can do that at home. And again, they have one-on-one -on -one computing. If they don't have internet at home, we've been very creative in finding ways to get them internet either at home or nearby home I, um, including hotspots that we've sent yeah, home that's cool i was just going to say i've heard of a um of a district i can't remember where it was on some podcast i listened to where the district put wi-fi on their buses and then went and parked their buses in an area where the kids and parents and everybody could come and access the wi-fi we're we're there we're our, with our next building project all of our buses will be wi-fi so yeah, that gives the kids an extra, some of the kids, an extra 50 minutes of school. Yeah. So um, we even talked about putting a teacher assistant or something on the bus. So they've got access to help yeah. on the way home. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. 50 extra minutes for 20 bucks a day. Right. And what else are they going to do during that time? Yeah, get in trouble usually. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so this keeps them out of trouble. Yeah, um, that's a great idea. The bring your own device thing, we're pretty nervous about. And teachers have the right to tell students, no devices today. Put them away. I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear them. Um, and a lot of teachers are still very traditional in that way, and they do that. They, they don't want to see them. They don't want to hear them. They don't even like the idea that we're using them. The, the reality is I haven't been to a workshop today where 
three quarters or more of the participants weren't on their cell phone. So uh, it's the world we live in. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, I totally agree. We need to start recognizing that. And as we talked about already, we need to teach the kids how to do that. One of the things that is, uh, that's ironic about what you just said is that at the beginning of each of the sessions, they make an <laughs> Put away your cell about phones, the yeah. cell phones. And then they tell you to take yeah. them out to and, use them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So um, I think that's, I'm guessing that's probably like a pre-recorded thing or something, but it's just, it's funny going into the digital leadership session and it says please put away your cell phones and actually today i heard that they were saying please silence your cell phones which is a lot different yeah so anyway it's just it's interesting how even at an education conference where we are explicitly talking about that we still deal with those norms and we as adults don't know how to act in those situations also you know yeah, we were never taught right exactly we're just randomly picking it up yep. making it up yeah totally <laughs> So the last question I ask everybody is, what is one thing that someone can do to start being a transformative principal like yourself? Honestly, I think create the, create the relationships. You can't change anything without the relationship. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about a relationship with your least favorite parent that you have in the district. Um, lay the groundwork so that when something does come up, the groundwork's already laid and the outcome's different. Um, I have one family who I have dealt with now for nine years that I've been there. They've had kids of every age group that I've worked with since I've been a principal there. And they're a rough family. They are rough. Um, anybody from my school district that's listening already has a name in their head. Um, we've had many, many issues. We have behavior plans galore. We've tried everything and anything. Uh, most of the gray hairs I have on my chin are from that. Um, I spent a lot of time, the dad's a hunter, mom's a hunter too for that matter, and I've spent a lot of time talking turkey, literally talking turkey <laughs> and deer and bear and anything else we can come up with. Um, I've been over there helping helping them load a 4x4 four four on onto a trailer that they couldn't do because dad had had surgery and they weren't sure how they were going to do it, and I went over and helped them do that. Um, the conversations, the groundwork that was laid outside of school makes the issues that we have with the kids inside of school almost pleasant um i'll say it was about four years ago the family came in for a, a conference and the family none of us no school members involved but the family ended up in a fight on the floor rolling around on the floor now the parents are coming in and sitting down and having the kids sit out outside while they have a conversation with the principals and not only has that worked, but their kids' scores have gone up and, and they're all passing their grades. So it's gone hand in hand. And, and again, the relationship is everything. There's nothing without it. Yeah. And, you know, just about every single person I've interviewed says something about relationships, culture, trust, that kind of stuff is just, it's so powerful. And that for us as leaders really needs to be the priority because everything else we can just we cannot worry about if those things are in place. I look at the medical field. My wife's a nurse. And the advances in the medical field scare me to death. They scare me to death. Um, and yet, if I have a doctor who has laid groundwork with me and I trust, when they talk about some of those advances or they talk about something that might be done, 
my feeling about it is dramatically different. Uh-huh. And I don't know why we would think anything would be different in school. Right, exactly. It's, it's all about the relationships, and then and then it's not so scary. Yeah, so. totally. Well, I thank you for your time. Um, it was a pleasure. Uh, is there a way people can get a hold of you, get in contact with you, learn more from you? Sure. Um, email address is B-E-D-M-I-S-T-E-R. It's Bedmister. I know. I get a lot of... I get a lot of guff over that, but it's bedmister at genvalley.org. All right, and I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes as well. And I just want to thank you so much for your time and thank helping you. me out. It was a pleasure. Thank you for asking. As you have heard by now, I have joined the Edu Podcast Network, the Podcasters Network for educators by mr nessie and i'm pretty excited about doing this because i feel like i am part of a great group of other podcasters who really care about providing high quality content to educators to help them learn in a way that is comfortable and good for them i hope that you uh will listen to the other great podcasts on there and that you will Uh, Support the network by downloading and rating and reviewing all the shows that you listen to. And I appreciate your support in this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones and follow the podcast on Twitter at TRNFRM Principal. Today I'd like to give a little shout out to one of the other podcasts on the Edu Podcast Network. And I'm going to recommend that you listen to the 30 second take podcast each person on that podcast has 30 seconds to share their take on an important issue in education it is hosted by brad gustafson an amazing principal that you will instantly love also what i would like you to do is connect with brad on twitter gustafson brad and ask him how many people have answered one of his questions while riding a bike ask him that Watch his podcast. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.